Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Exodus 2, 7. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and she nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she took him as her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. If you could flip over with me to Exodus 15, the 20th verse. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider, he has thrown into the sea. And then if you could flip all the way to Numbers uh, 12 with me. Numbers 12. Just a couple of verses from this chapter. The first verse. While they were at Hazroth, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, saying, Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he not also spoken through us? And then down to verse 15. So Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days, and the people did not set out on the march again until Miriam had been brought in. For this brief time that is ours to share, I just want to pose a simple question, simple question and a a, a, a simple concept for us today. The question is to make the books or to make a mark? to make the books or to make a mark. Would you pray with me? Oh, mighty God, we come before you humbly and and yet audaciously expecting that in this hour that we share that you have invited us into your house that you might deem to speak to us. Oh God, we would count ourselves so grateful um, to hear your voice whisper even yet again. God, we know that you um, do speak to us in, in so many ways through your word and just through your presence in our lives. And we say thank you. God, we ask that this might be a moment where you give us some indication, some guidance, some encouragement as to the lives it is that you have called us to live. God, I ask that in spite of the frailties of the preacher, that your word might come forth with power, that it would do the work that it needs to do in the hearts of your children whom you love so much. We love you, God. We lift you up. We honor you and we're listening to you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that together we say amen, amen, and amen. You may take your seats. You may take your seats to make the books or to make a mark. If we were to conduct a quick survey about this subject of who who are the most intelligent people that history has known, if we were to ask um, a a number of people and and conduct this quick survey, uh, prominent on the list, perhaps one of the first uh, one or two names, who do you think it would be? Probably someone would say 
Albert Einstein. Someone would mention this man who, 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 came, who discovered uh, and, and put into words a theory of relativity, the theory of quantum physics. Our understanding of the physical universe is so different because of the impact and the thinking of this very intelligent man named Albert Einstein. Uh, but what history doesn't tell us and what we all often don't know is that Albert Einstein was married. He was married not once, but twice. And his first wife uh, was also a very intelligent woman. And her name was Mileva. Mileva and Albert, it was a love story. They met in school. The, the, the attraction of the two powerful minds came together. And he said, that woman is something else. She is so smart. She made wonderful grades in school. And we know the anecdotal story of Einstein, of Albert Einstein, that he didn't make that wonderful of grades in school, right? Which is encouraging to us as well. But she did. She was, she was studious. She was determined. She was fierce. Her name was Mileva. And it, it turns out that they, uh, they, get, they, they get married and they have a marriage and, and, and that they uh, study together. And she not only supports him, but they research together and they come up with many of these theories together. In fact, the most productive years of his intellectual life were spent while he was married to Mileva. Uh, all of this came out in, in the 80s, in 1987, when some of their letters back and forth were published um, at the hands of her, her, their son, Hans. These letters came out revealing what the world didn't know, that they worked together. In fact, it, uh, it re was revealed in these letters that he wrote things like this. I need Mileva. She resolves all my mathematical problems. So we have a picture here of intellectual greatness that what makes the books. And then there is also the greatness that doesn't quite make it uh, to the annals of history. This is a tale as old as time. You could probably have predicted that it was the female version of the int intelligence that didn't make it to the history books. You could probably have predicted that it was the wife who did lots of not only the intellectual work, but the logistical work, but the organizational work, but raising the children, all that type of work. Her intellect was powerful. God made her fierce. God put her here for a reason, yet it didn't make the history books. Why? I wonder would that be. In 2016, a movie came out and it was entitled Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures, of course, documented and celebrated the impact of, of Dorothy Vaughn, of Mary Jackson, of Katherine Johnson, who were three astronauts and, and scientists and mathematicians without whom the launch of John Glenn into space would not have been possible. But why, you may ask, why did they have to make a movie? We already knew John Glenn's name. He made the history books. Well, because these three female and African-American scientists and mathematician, mathematicians, brilliant, no one could deny, put on this earth with a powerful mind, um, having done everything that, they, that those who did make the books had done. Why was it that they had to make a movie? Why was it that we didn't hear about this until 2016? Why was it that they had to be celebrated in Hollywood when they were not celebrated uh, where they made their impact? Well, it's a tale as old as time, and I bet you could have guessed that they were the female version of the brilliance. Yes, yes, they occupied two categories that the world did not deem uh, to be worthy of recognition. And they, the world thought that can't be. The brilliance can't be coming out of these African-American and female uh, geniuses. Yet, that's where the brilliance came from. Oh, they didn't make the books. And then we, we, we also know about in the 50s, a, a, another brilliant woman named Constance Baker Motley. Constance Baker Motley, she was actually, I recently learned, the, the, the borough president of Manhattan at one point, an African-American female federal judge. Somebody say federal. 
federal judge who, who even 50 years ago was on the short list uh, to be appointed to the Supreme Court of the United States. However, she did not become appointed. She worked. It wasn't because she had done anything wrong. Her record was impeccable. Her, her, her reputation was, was incredible. Everybody knew that she could do the job probably better than those who were currently doing the job, but she didn't get, make the books. She didn't get to the seat. I wonder why that might be. Would it be because she wasn't capable? No, that wasn't what it was. It was because sometimes, as we see, it's not always those who do the work who get the seat. It's not always those who change history who make the history books. We see that the way the world tells the story is not always the way that God tells the story. We, we, we see that it's not always those who, who are the most brilliant and the most capable whose names get written down where we will read them. When we read our story today in scripture, maybe it's a story you've heard. Maybe you remember the story of, of uh, a, a young boy, promising young boy being put in a basket. Maybe you remember the story of this boy growing up to be a liberator and that he was, he was formidable. Maybe you remember the story uh, of the, the exodus out of Egypt that was authored by God and, 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 and executed by uh, God's servant Moses. Maybe you know the story, but we read in our story to, today that, that it wasn't uh, only Moses that was there and it wasn't uh, not, not, not everybody who was involved in this exodus and this act of liberation made the books. We read in this, this, this first story in the first part of Exodus in chapter 2, we read of this story uh, where he is a young, a young boy and, and his mother has put him in the Nile. And, and, and in this whole incredible story, we only hear the name of Moses. But what we don't see in our scripture is that there are three formidable females who make this thing take place. There are three of them, and we don't know any of their names. The whole uh, section in our Bible, if you look at it, you'll see that the only name listed is that of Moses. Yet there are three, three formidable females who are the ones who make this, this uh, event take place. First, there is Moses' mother. Now, Moses' mother, we don't learn her name here in this story, but she defies the decrees of the Pharaoh because you may remember that the Pharaoh said, all the little boys, they got to be thrown into the Nile. And she said, no, 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 not my little boy. Mm -mm. not this life that God has placed in me. That is not what's going to take place. And so she, though her name is not named, she defies the decrees of the Pharaoh. And she says, at risk of my own life, I am wrapping this child up. And okay, Pharaoh, I'll do what you say. I'll put him in the Nile, but I'm going to put him in a basket. I'm going to put him where, where someone may see him and take care of him. And so she is a formidable female doing what, uh, what, what others might not have the guts to do. And then we see the daughter of Pharaoh, the daughter of Pharaoh who disrupts the, the decrees of her own father, who, who, who risks her own position using her privilege to disrupt what she knows is clearly wrong. She has compassion on this young child who was placed in the reeds strategically by his very brilliant mother. And we don't know the name of the daughter of the Pharaoh. We know Pharaoh's name, but we don't know her name. Uh, but this is what she does. She disrupts out of compassion and, and she changes the story. And then we see his sister. We don't learn her name, but we see that there is this courageous young girl. It says in chapter, in verse seven, that his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, hey, I got an idea. Can I go and call uh, one of the Hebrew women for you? And the sister, man, maybe she was seven, eight years old. This woman, so smart. She thought, I have an idea because, because I see what's happening and it doesn't sit right with me. And, and that, this should not be taking place. And that's my brother. And so what does she do? She goes and, goes and calls Moses' own mother to take care of the child. Now, is that not brilliant? 
Oh, but we don't learn her name. Uh, we don't learn the name of Moses's mother in this passage. We don't learn the name of the daughter of the king. We learn, we learn that they defy, that they disrupt, and that they organize and orchestrate, but they don't get named. Yet we see later that this courageous little girl, her name is Miriam. She is Miriam. She doesn't get uh, credit in this story, but, but, but we see that her impact is felt, uh, not just because she saved Moses' life, but she continues to have an impact in the story. She didn't get named, and this hits me when I read our scriptures, not just because it's important for Miriam's story, but when I look at our world today, let me just make it more personal. H have you ever been there? Whether you are male or female, whatever category you might have, have you ever been there where you've worked? And you've shown courage and you've done things that other people would only dream about doing. But, but you don't, you look at the list, you look at the agenda, you look at the, as they say, the history and your name didn't make it. Have you ever felt that way that perhaps you have poured in and you have poured out and you have worked and you have had integrity and you have tried to be obedient to the Lord, your God, but your name didn't make the list. Ah, Miriam, she doesn't get named. She doesn't get named. And then we see her later, 15 chapters, well, 13 chapters later, we see Miriam come back into the story because you know there's something about a persistent woman. She doesn't go and she, she, she doesn't go and sit down. And so we see Miriam come back in chapter 15 and it says, the prophet Miriam, huh? Did you know there were prophets that were women? Did you know, did, there were prophets, because when I was in Sunday school, they taught me about all the 12 prophets and they're wonderful, they're incredible, they're Isaiah all over the place, but they didn't tell me there were some female prophets. They didn't tell me that when they were telling me that women couldn't be pastors. They didn't tell me that, oh, but there were some female prophets. It says right here in the Bible, don't listen to me, open it to Exodus 15, then the prophet, Miriam. Ah, but why is it, people of God, do you think that Miriam doesn't get a book? First, she didn't get named. Then she doesn't get space. If you look, if you look at the, the, the rest of this chapter 15, you'll see Moses has a song too. Ah, it's a good song. He, saw, he sings and he, he leads it. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrew your adversaries. You sent out your fury. It consumed them like stubble. Oh, Moses is singing and his song lasts 19 verses. It's a good song. Oh, but then Miriam's, her song is not as long. They don't give her what? The space. She doesn't get uh, a 66 chapter book like Isaiah, who is incredible. She doesn't get uh, the long books of like the 12 prophets. She doesn't, she doesn't get, but she keeps popping up through the story. Ha! Huh? Have you ever noticed in our world that sometimes it's not always the one who make the history and change the course of events that get the space? She didn't get the space, but many scholars believe that there's that this is evidence for us. Um, specifically, Phyllis Tribble writes a lot about this. Many scholars believe that when uh, our, our th those who uh, whom the Holy Spirit inspired to write our scriptures put a song in someone's mouth or uh, a kind of a, a recitation that is poetic in nature, that is often indication of a leader. We see it in the New Testament with Peter, with Martha. We see it here with Moses, and we see it. Tribble will argue with Miriam. She was a leader in that time, Tribble will argue. She says that she might not have made the books, but she made her mark on people's lives because the women would follow her and not just the women, but, but she was influential in such that, that she was part of the author of this liberation. We see her story pop up throughout the scriptures so many places, yet 
She doesn't get named. She doesn't get space. And there's another thing that happens to Miriam. She gets demonized. If you turn with me to Numbers 12, which we read a little bit earlier, Miriam, hmm, after all they've done, they're all, I mean, imagine all they've been through. She saved her brother at seven or eight. I was not doing stuff that cool at seven or eight. (laughs) She saved her brother at the risk of her own life. She continues to grow and to lead him. She's the older sister. And then they go through all of the exodus. They go through the 10 plagues. They make it through the sea. She's leading in her own right. She's not getting the credit. And then we get to Numbers 12. It says that while they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron, uh, you heard that? Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. And they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Now, to me, that doesn't sound like they're speaking against Moses, but rather they're saying God is not so uncreative to only be able to speak through one person or one type of person. I'm not saying God's not talking to you, but what I am saying is that I know the God of the universe because that God spoke to me this morning. And so when you say that God cannot speak through me, that just doesn't sit right with what I know of the God that I serve. I don't know that she's talking against, but she says, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Well, they began to say things against Miriam that she probably was so surprised about. And it says in verse 15, she was shut out of the camp for seven days. She was shut out of the camp for seven days. You know, the Bible says that your gifts will make room for you. Now that is true, but your gifts will also make enemies for you. Your gifts, man, when, when, when you're not doing anything, when you're not uh, uh, making any waves, when, when nothing is different after you walk out of the room or after you leave a space or after you leave an assignment, when nothing is different because of you, they will tell you, happy birthday, I like your earrings. That is what that will, they will talk to you when you're not doing anything. But when there is an assignment on your life and you're not there just to hold space and you're not there just to maintain, when you are up to something because you know God is up to something, that is when they will talk about you. That is when your gifts will make enemies from you. That is when people, it will seem like they are losing their better sense, saying things that you cannot believe after all you have poured in, after all you have done. Because why? Because gifts don't just make room. They make enemies. They make enemies. Why? Because the enemy is trying to keep you quiet. The enemy is trying to keep you down. The enemy knows that God is up to something in you. And so the enemy inspires people to have a bad day and take it out on you, inspires people to be afraid of what you're doing and come say craziness to you. This is what Miriam discovered. She didn't get names. She didn't get space and she got demonized. Can you believe it? Ah, I just wonder if anybody has been there. I wonder if you know what it's like to try to be obedient, to try to pour out, to do it all in love, like Miriam did. She stuck through the anonymity. She stuck through the the, the, the tasks and the assignment because she believed in what God was doing. And this is how they treated her. But there's something that they didn't know. There's something they didn't know. What they didn't know, is that God has given a special fierceness to women. I'm not saying God hasn't given it to men, but but, but God has given a special, a different, a female version of fierceness to women. And since it's Women's History Month, I think we we, we, we need to pause. And I want you to pause and to notice uh, what what God has placed in you. It goes all the way back to, to the Garden of Eden, this special fierceness. You remember Eve? You remember her? Yes, she, she made the books, but not in such a great way. But, but what it says way back in the Garden of Eden is that, is that 
evil, as it was represented in the snake, evil would come up against Eve, right? And she would have to step on its head. Now it would be biting her heel. It would be biting her heel, which is bad, but it says that she would step on his head. It said that she would, would have some sort of fierceness in her that would come up against what came up against her. It says, did you know that it says, God said, I will put enmity between you and this force of evil. I will put, God didn't say this to Adam. God said to Eve, I will put enmity between you and this force of evil. You know what enmity means? It means an active opposition. It means a hostility. Sarah Jakes Roberts would say enmity means it goes both ways. Have you ever noticed that, that evil and, and what is wrong? Sometimes you might feel like it bothers women in a certain way. Like you can't put your head down at night and go to rest because you're upset because it, it gets to you. They call us sensitive. Now, I don't know. That's rude. Sensitive? No, it bothers you. Ah, but what our scripture tells us when it tells us about Eve and this special fierceness given to women, it tells us that, yes, evil might bother us, but we bother it back. That, that the enemy might bother women, but women bother it back. What they didn't know about Miriam is that she had this special fierceness from the God of the universe placed in women saying, enmity will be between you. Your, your opposition will be active. Your hostility, your hostility will be active. Yes, Yes, trouble might come up in this world, but you're going to trouble it back. Evil might bother, but I put some women down there to bother it back. So they didn't know this about Miriam. They didn't know this about Miriam. And so, and so the enemy and, and all those who were rising up against her, they thought, they thought perhaps they could quiet her down. Oh, oh, but, but Miriam knew that there was a special call on her life. She knew, and for her, the call wasn't hmm, dependent on, it wasn't filtered through, it was not linked to in any permanent way. I'm sure it hurt her feelings, but her call was deeper for her than the credit, huh? The credit she might have gotten. She knew something in her said, uh-uh, no, no, I'm not leaving it like this. I'm not giving up and going home. I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm not letting these people fend for themselves because if I do, what God is trying to do won't get done right now. And God said, go do this right now. And so, so Miriam had this special call and she knew about it. This is why when she was at the riverbed as a little girl, when she was at the riverbed as a little girl and, and, and she saw evil bothering her people and bothering her mother and bothering her brother. She said, I'm going to bother you back. She said, no, you can't do that. And she, she got, she said, I have an idea. She ran down into the danger because she said, she said, there's a special fierceness in me. I don't know where it comes from, but I can't ignore it. This is why the crossing of the Red Sea. She didn't say, I'm going to give up because these people are treating me poorly. Not having fun anymore. I can't post this to Instagram. It's not looking good. I go home in a bad mood. She didn't say, I'm going to give up. She said, I don't know. They're getting on my nerves, but this sea has got to be crossed. We have got to get to the other side. And, 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 and Pharaoh is bothering me. And, and I just feel like I'm the one God has sent to bother him back. And so she kept going. And then through all these years in the, in the, in the wilderness, she kept them encouraged. The scripture says that she, she, would, she would lead them and she would talk to them and she would get the women uh, to, to, to go with her. And you know, when women get together, it can be a powerful thing. There is no force that can stop a group of women who are determined to do what it is that God has asked them to do. And so she didn't give up. And, and, and truly, all I came to say to some of us today, whether men or women, is that you might not make the books right now. But, but I bet you and I believe and I declare and I, I, I dare you to believe 
that God has asked you to make a mark. I, I just want to tell a few people uh, that, that there's a difference between credit and impact. There is a difference between credit and impact. And in a world in which we live, in which people will buy Twitter, fo Twitter followers and they will pay for likes on YouTube and, and they will pay their, their money so that it will appear that they are doing something important and that they will get credit. But then they will go home and no one is following them. No one is different because of them. No one's day is even better because of them. In this kind of world, it is important for the people of God who are on mission and on assignment, who know that there's still some seas that need to be crossed. It is important that the people of God get it straight that it's not about credit. It's about impact. And it gives me great comfort because, because I know what we've seen in history and what we continue to see is that not always those who are making the impact will get the credit. And it's easy to get discouraged, but it gives me great comfort to know that, that, that God's way of seeing things is different. Isn't this what it says in the great prophet Isaiah? Isn't this what it says in Isaiah when Isaiah says, God says, my ways are not your ways and my, my, my thoughts are not your thoughts, but mine are higher. And so God sees things in a way that is higher than the way the world sees it. And we see that sometimes what God is up to is not always reflected in the accolades of the world. I believe that there is a difference between the Guinness Book of World Records and God's Book of World Records. And sometimes we may not know exactly where our name will fit, but if we are faithful to the assignment and, and if we can trust that God is smiling and saying, I see you, oh, what a wonderful thing to be seen by the Lord Most High. What then are we to do? What then are we to do, whether men, whether women, in whatever way we are assigned to this earth? What then are we to do? And people of God, I believe it is urgent. I believe it is urgent that we get this straight and that we, we understand what our scripture is telling us today because our assignments are urgent. Yeah. Our assignments, whether uh, they make the news or whether they, they make the life of that child we are mentoring, whether they, 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 they cause a, a, a flurry in the press or whether they just cause a flurry in the place in which God has assigned us to, it is urgent that we follow what it is God is up to in our lives. What then are we to do? Our scripture tells us that we are to look for impact and not credit. Yeah. Aim for impact. I learned that here. I learned that at FCBC where, where it's not about the, 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 the glitz and, 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 and getting the credit. It's about, Pastor Mike would always teach that it's about those who impact, who give. Aim for impact and not credit. Aim for, your, for, your, for the place where you have inhabited to be different because you stepped there. Aim to do what is right, not only uh, what, what gets people to clap for you and to say you're doing a good job. Aim for impact and, and, and to, be, to be true to what God has sent you there to do. Oh, if we could do this. Oh, if we could forget what the credit is about and remember what the impact is about. Uh, we would be a little bit more like Miriam who, who, who pushed through all that happened to her not being named, not getting the space and being talked bad about. We got to aim for impact. And then here it is. We also have to interpret what happens to us according to the way God sees it. This interpretation is so key because if you would interpret it the wrong way, the enemy will come in and say, okay, well, I've got her discouraged. I've got him discouraged because of the way they are what? 
interpreting it. It's so important that we interpret uh, what happens to us and what happens on our journeys in the correct way. Maybe I can encourage you, to, I'm not sure, but, but sometimes it's not. Uh, they talk about you behind your back because they're afraid to talk to you, because you're so intimidating. That's why the rumors start back here. Now, if they looked you in the face, they wouldn't be able to say it. But what happens? We, we, we hear that and it crushes us and it hurts our spirit, but it's all about the way you interpret it. If you can look around and say, you must be afraid of me. Now, that's funny because I'm really nice, but, but I guess you are intimidated by the power that God has placed in my life. It's okay. I'm not going to come after you because I am on mission. And so I'm going to interpret it in the way that God would have me interpret it. I know my gifts make room. They make some enemies. Well, God's the one who gave me these gifts. How are we interpreting it? And it's so urgent because if the enemy gets in and makes us interpret it in the wrong way, go to bed with our heads all filled with all sorts of, uh, uh, of madness, then we won't do what God is asking us to do. And I happen to be of the persuasion and the conviction that the assignment on your life, the assignment on your life, that person that needs you to help them tomorrow, that person that needs that encouraging word, that institution that you are, the, the book that is being birthed, I am of the opinion and the conviction that it is urgent that God needs it to get done. What then are we to do? We have to aim for impact. We have to worry about how we interpret it. And we have to keep going. Keep going. Can you imagine if Miriam had stopped and said, well, this is getting discouraging. They don't seem to like me. Ah, I don't want to do this anymore. It's wearing me. Can you imagine if she had let the level of her stress surpass the level of her faith? If she had let the level of her stress surpass her knowledge that she is created of the most high God and is a daughter of God. If she had let that take place and she had not kept going, can you imagine? I just want you to keep going in that assignment that it is that God has placed on you. I want you to know that sometimes you don't make the books, but God is working on making a mark through you. I happen to believe that, that you may not get your name everywhere down on earth, but when we get to heaven, whew, if we pour out the way we're asked to, and if we have the wherewithal to be as faithful as we can and to try to be obedient, we might mess up. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord and we keep our eyes on that upward calling uh, that is ours in Jesus Christ, if we keep our eyes there, I happen to believe that the name might not be called down here, but when we get up to heaven, they're just going to be screaming your name, clapping, saying, I saw what you did and the earth is better because of you. And they're going to say your name and all your nicknames. And they're going to celebrate you because the Guinness Book of world records is different from God's book of world records. I just want you to keep going. Keep going. Because making the books is not the same as making a mark. It was interesting to me as we celebrate church anniversary. I always love this part of the story that this incredible church, how many know this is an incredible church? Woo! This incredible church, this Life-changing, world change. I mean, I know so many people who can say my life was saved because I came to FCBC. This church was started in the home of someone named Mother Sloan. She started, it started in her home. We don't know her first name. Nobody, nobody um, could trouble themselves to, to write it down and, to, and to, to include it in the history. We know a lot of the pastor's names, which is great, we, but, but we don't know her first name. All we know is that she was Mother Sloan. And I don't know that she was 
you know, getting uh, written up and, 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 and in the newspaper and, and for what she was doing when she was changing lives and saying, come into my home, hear the word of God. Can I, can I give you a hug? Can I tell you that I love you? But look at what her faithfulness has birthed today. All, all across this world, people are feeling the impact of this place because she had the guts woo, to believe that God was up to something in her. We don't know her first name. But she made a mark. Ah, we see her impact. You know, we see this in Miriam's story as well. We see this in the story of Miriam, who, 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 whose story didn't get written down in the way probably that she deserved, who didn't get named in the places and the times and in the, in, in the text where she was supposed to be named. But we see that her impact was tremendous. There is evidence, evidence, if you look for it, that her impact was tremendous, that she impacted one person next to her and then the next person next to her. And then these people back here, they felt it too. And they saw what she did. And maybe they weren't the ones who got to decide whose name got written in the books, but they said, whoo, she is up to something. I'm so glad she has been obedient. I'm so glad she's up to what she is doing. How do we know this? Well, we see that the name Miriam, uh, it kind of made its way through the history. Now we know that in this time, it was very important what you name your children. You name them after someone who who had a lot of impact. This is why we see throughout the scripture, people often have the same name. Well, you might not see it if you don't look closely because, because you really got to be a, a, a very erudite student of scripture to notice this. But Miriam, she made her way through the history, not getting written down, but still making the impact. And so many people felt impacted that they said, you know who I'm going to name my son? I'm not sure, but you know who I'm going to name my daughter? They said, I'm going to name her after someone named Miriam. And we see that, that later uh, the name Miriam translates into a different name that you might know, a different name that might uh, be familiar to you, a different name that might ring a bell in your ears. It translates into the name Mary. And maybe you've heard of a few Marys all the way to the New Testament. A millennia later, they're saying, you know what? I want to name this daughter because I want her to be like that liberator, like that fierce female, incredible person, like that brilliant woman. I'm going to name her Mary. And in the New Testament, we see Mary, mother of Jesus. We see Mary Magdalene. We see Mary, the mother of James. We still see Marys. We see, we see Mary Daly. We see Mary Wollstonecraft. People were excited to see Mary J. Blige at, at the Super Bowl. Marys are still being named after this woman of impact. All I'm trying to tell you is that at the time, she might not have gotten the credit, but credit and impact are different. We see also in our history, this isn't just a Bible story. It's a principle. That, 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 that can, can, can cause us to continue to live out our assignments. In our own history in February, Katanji Brown Jackson was nominated to the Supreme Court. 50 years after Constance Baker Motley made the short list, but her name didn't get on the books and she didn't make the seat. And who is it that in the testimony of Judge Jackson, who is it that is named? Well, she says, you know, there is one Constance Baker Motley who 50 years ago was doing everything I have done. And, and it was her who paved the way. It was her who made this possible. It was her who acted in her assignment in such a way that I can find myself where I do today and that our country can be blessed for such a time as this to have some more reason on the court and to have what God is up to come to take place in our government. We, we, we see that she had an impact even though she didn't make the seat. We see that things continue to, ah, how do I say this? To be birthed by that female ferocity that enmity between the forces of what is wrong, the force of the God of the universe. We see things continue to be birthed. What will be birthed by your ferocity? 
whether female or male, what will be birthed? Because of your obedience, in spite of the lack of credit, what will God birth through you? Our sister in the scripture, Miriam, she knew the difference between credit and impact. She made the books. She made more of a mark. And I just want to encourage someone today, whether male or female, whatever you find your assignment resting on your shoulders, I just want to tell you, I believe that assignment is urgent And I believe and I'm convicted and I dare you to believe that God's hands are on your life. That divine assignment on you is important. Don't let the enemy convince you that because it's not getting the credit, it's not getting named, it's not getting celebrated. Don't let the enemy convince you that therefore it should not go forth because if that happens, the enemy will win. Can you imagine if Miriam had said, we're halfway through the sea, but I'm discouraged, I'm going back. Don't be discouraged. Know that the God of the universe who lights things on fire and splits seas in half, that God, that God has an assignment over your life. It's urgent. Don't get discouraged. Keep going forward. Not looking for the credit, but aiming at the impact because that God from so long ago is still splitting seas and doing mighty things. How amazing that God chose you. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.